What is going on, everybody? Long time no see. This is the UGA Sports.com Sunday call-in show. I'm your host, Paul Meharry, joined by my co-host, Jason Butt, and as always, Ben Choppy Bachman. As we chop some wood down here, the Georgia Bulldogs have also chopped their way to back-to-back titles, guys. We need to talk on that. We also need to, uh, you know, this is the first time we've all gotten together since the national championship game. So a lot of transfers that we need to talk about. Uh, and we'll kind of look forward. Can Georgia 3P? That's what was on everybody's mind, I think, uh, once it came time to pretty much have the parade wrapped up. That was what was on everybody's mind was can Georgia 3P? And we'll kind of talk. We'll go through the schedule, right? We'll, we'll see. Uh, but Jason, let's start off with you, man. How are you doing up there? In, uh is it snowing up there where you're at? No? No, it's just been really cold. Yesterday it got down to, what, like 25 or 20? It was probably oh. worse on Friday. It's nothing. Oh, it was worse. And then Ben, we ha- Ben, the world hasn't seen you in I don't know how long. So uh, I think it was a semifinal. I don't know if I was on there for the national championship game or not, but it was a semifinal. Yeah, how, how are you? You doing all right? Yeah, I'm doing good. Last, last time we were on, I had to carry the rest of the show because Paul was like, oh, they're kicking me out of the stadium because it never goes well when Paul's there. Hey, uh, your dogs are undefeated with me uh, with me there except for that one game. So, guys, if you're watching, make sure to drop in where you're watching us from. Uh, put that into the comments section. We'll make sure it gets up on here. Rhett Womack, we see you, man. How is it going? And uh, Brad Newsom, what's going on, man? So if you guys want to call in also – you know the drill. It's in the YouTube bio, the description right down there. Also on Facebook in the description. Call in. We'll get you onto the show. We'll have uh, you know, we'll answer some questions for you. But guys, we're in that time period right now where not a lot of stuff's going on. Middle of February. No, I mean we had football on today. It was that Pro Bowl. Uh, I watched it. It was weird, uh, but it was it was something. But guys, no Georgia football for a little while. But but the Georgia Bulldogs did bring in some. Uh, Big time transfers and had some transfers transfer out. Ben, tell us about uh, that Dominic Lovett kid. You're pretty high on him, yeah? Well, I think it's pro football focus. Had him as like the number three or number four receiver in the country this past season among all wide receivers, which is pretty impressive. And he's the best returning receiver in the SEC transfers into your program. I've never seen that happen before, that the best you know leading receiver in the SEC transfers and is now going to a top program like Georgia. When Jameson Williams – Left, I mean, left Ohio State. He was their number four, number five receiver. So this is a much different case. Where Dominic Lovett, it's proven production. He had over 85 yards against Georgia. So he's proven against Georgia in of itself. He can play. And you look at next year, he probably enters next year as a top 50 draft pick entering next next year, which outside of George Pickens, who's hurt his whole last year, Georgia hasn't had a receiver quite like that. So when you lose A.D. Mitchell to a transfer – you need to get a, a big guy back because we saw when he wasn't there last year, there wasn't that wide receiver that you had to go to. I think this year he's your wide receiver one. He's the most proven wide receiver in the SEC from a production standpoint and is probably going to be the highest or one of the two or three highest graded receivers uh, in next year's draft from the conference and maybe even overall outside of Marvin Harrison Jr. and uh, the other receiver Ohio State has. So I just think that's a massive addition. And then Ra Ra Thomas is another one too because – you lose AD and you lose Karis Jackson's a, kind of a sleeper loss because he's so experienced and he's really good yep. in the slot. And Blaylock, they played a good deal of minutes, both of them. With Ra Ra Thomas and Lovett, you can do a lot of things with those guys in and out of the slot and everything. So I think the receiver position next year as a whole might be a bit better 
than it was this past year, which is a scary thing to think about. Jason, the transfer portal hit the dogs again this year. Uh, probably not done, right? You, you still have another transfer window that could potentially open up. But as it stands right now, they lost A.D. Mitchell to Texas. Ben's talking about the receivers coming in. What about the receivers going out? Is it going to be an issue? Because uh, like I said, we're, we're on topic here to, to really dive, not, not head first, but dip our toes into the water, if you will, Jason, on a three-peat. So losing A.D. Mitchell seems like a big deal. Yeah, but you played all season without him, essentially. You did. did. And you you got to – so what, he played the first game, got hurt the second game. So you're essentially 12-0 and without A.D. Mitchell this year. Now, they had the bump in the road mid-year where uh, it didn't seem like the offense was clicking. And and, and then Setson Bennett, you know, said that they weren't having fun. They were pressing a little bit. They kind of got back to their – to to how they opened the year, played a little looser, and, and things opened up again. But um, with, I, I, like with with what Ben said, if you bring in a guy like Lovett, if he and uh, Carson Beck can get on the same page, or or if it's Brock Vandegrift who gets the job, um, if they can get on the same page uh, early, develop that chemistry uh, this spring, and then uh, you know he can be that guy who who, uh, who who defenses have to really key in on. That's only going to open things up further for for guys like Lad McConkey and and the and Brock Bowers who who you know Bowers is still going to be your your primary target in this offense anyway. So um I'm not concerned about the receiver position. I think you look around it and and the main thing that stands out and I know we did a story on this is um the speed that this position group yeah. has across the board and um you know AD Mitchell wasn't necessarily that kind of guy. Uh you know he wasn't the burner type but I think with um Evans and then of course if um Arian Smith uh, can stay healthy and avoid injury. I mean, you talk those two guys and then McConkey, and it, it's just you you can do so much uh, in that offense. And we'll get to it, but a lot of this, I think, fortunately and unfortunately, will depend on uh, the decision Todd Munkin ends up making. Well, I mean, uh, we, we hope that it's Todd Munkin, right? So Todd Munkin, you see Ben wearing his, uh, if you're watching, you're, you're, you see Ben wearing his Baltimore Ravens beanie there. If you listen to the podcast, good thing you're not, looking at Ben's face right now. It's a sight, folks. Um, but oh wow. Hey, I had, I had, to, I had, to, I had to get it every in. time. I had to get it in, Ben. I had to get it in. But Todd Munkin uh got a second interview with your Baltimore Ravens up there. Is is he man, I don't know how to put this. If he leaves, what does this do to this offense? I mean, because because we talked to uh Rayola here at UJSports.com and rumors versus facts, Blaine Gilmer, huge get for the team uh, uh, getting number one quarterback, number one player in class of 2024 to come on our YouTube channel. And he said, if Munkin were to leave, they already have that guy in staff that, that, and we don't want to point fingers, but I think everybody was pointing them to Mike Bobo. So if Munkin were to leave, how big of a loss is that? I mean, I feel like, and I feel like most fans uh, love Todd Munkin. I can't think of a coordinator that, that Georgia fans, have loved more than Todd Munkin. I mean, they love Sam Pittman. He wasn't a coordinator. He was an O-line coach who just brought in five-star, you know, hogs to that offensive line. But in terms of just loving a coach, it seems like Todd Munkin has, if you're going off approval ratings, guys, it'd be like 98% approval. It would be higher than anybody ever. What happens if he were to leave? Because we still don't know yet. I think it's the same thing as when Lane Kiffin left Alabama. They want to keep the system in place, but it's a different play caller. And obviously, play calling the right stuff at the right time 
Isn't and that if you do add your that, touches on the offense? Hopefully those aren't negative. It's kind of like that. That's where it was like Bill O'Brien for Alabama compared to Steve Sarkeesian, who added a little bit more air raid concepts, a little bit more flashy concepts, where Bill O'Brien was very much, you know, kind of bland with his play calling. But the system was there. They still ran the same sets, same everything, but it was more of more bland play calling. That's the issue where I think the system's going to stay. I think Kirby likes this philosophy that they have now. Because when you look at when James Coley and Jim Chaney were there, oh, total God. different philosophy now, totally different. But it could, but it could go back to. I mean, not this philosophy, right? But it could go back to that, Jason. So how do you? That's true. I mean, it it could go back. I mean, we uh, that was my gut reaction, right? Ben said Coley and Chaney, and I was like, oh God, whoa, yeah. you know, if Munkin were to leave, I don't know of anybody. I mean, this is. This is probably the hardest job to replace right now because of just Munkin's success. And then you're having to start a brand new quarterback too. So I think it, the job is really tough. That's why if you're Georgia, you just you throw as much money as Jerry Moorhead and the boosters <laughs> and whoever else involved yeah. is willing to to pay up because uh, you know for, for a guy like Todd Munkin who you look at his career. He was a head coach at Southern Miss, and he was a successful head coach at Southern Miss. And he said, "I don't want to do this. I want to go be an offensive coordinator with the Bucks under Dirk Cutter." He's a different kind of guy. He just wants to coach. He doesn't want to deal with the BS. All he wants to do is is coach. And I think he's pretty much settled on offense recruiting. I mean, he, he's done a good job. Uh, you know, when when. But I think it's it's one of those things where it's pretty look, clear it's not his favorite thing. Yeah, look, look, Jason, recruiting for Todd Munkin is like, hey, Kirby told him, like, hey, you get your quarterback every year, yeah. Dell, McClendon, all those guys, they'll handle the rest. You don't exactly. have to talk to anybody else. You got one kid uh, to talk to. That That's it. And right. get that one kid that you want. And uh, But that's, it's, that's pretty much it. Does he want the year-round responsibility of having to recruit quarterbacks and – versus going to the NFL where you get time off in the off season, but you also have to deal with, uh, you know, at this point paid professionals who may not agree with you as a coach and have uh, way more ability to talk back and, and be a little more disrespectful. There isn't that, that kind of a hierarchy established at the NFL level between players and coaches like there is uh, at the college level still. So uh, th those are, that's really it. I mean, on, on one hand, he can be more of just a coach in the NFL and not a babysitter and not a recruiter. And but he does have to deal with uh, some of the the chaos that that naturally comes with the NFL. As we see week after week, year after year with some of the bizarre headlines that come out. And if you're on a team that ends up going through a bad stretch in the NFL and everything's magnified on you, I mean, the whole thing could just blow up and. Um, so job security is a big thing too. That's why if, if I'm uh, if I'm Kirby Smart, I'm doing everything I can to let him do the interview process and then come with a, a final offer after that to, to convince him to to stick around and stay in Athens. Guys, yeah, just I'm actually not worried about the recruiting aspect when it comes to being the OC. I, I, I say that because when you look at it, he really only recruits quarterbacks. Well, so no, really no, the point is he doesn't he doesn't like to recruit. Yeah, yeah no. he doesn't. But at the same time, it's like you recruit one to two guys versus like, okay, the draft is more of a crapshoot. You get a lot of – I mean, at Georgia, you're going to be able to get so many elite quarterbacks, especially like you look at Brock Vandergriff, Gunner Stockton. Just going to look at them right now. So since he's came in, those are the two quarterbacks he got. They're in state. They're an hour away. 
Georgia actually is a really good state for quarterbacks. So he doesn't even have to recruit that far. Um, typically in most years, like we're going to talk about like 2025 and 2026. I know it's early for those classes. Top quarterback targets are already in state. In my opinion, he's going to recruit some guys out of state. But one thing Kirby's been doing is on the road. Mike Bobo has been recruiting a lot. He's been going on the road a lot over this time. Now Munkin has too. So don't take it as, Oh, Munkin not recruiting. all. he wants to just go to the NFL, no matter what, whatever. That's not what I'm saying, but they already have guys out there who sometimes when they go on the road, they give him days off. They give him time off. They gave Will Muschamp days off after the parade, I believe, when they were hitting up 10 Georgia high schools. I mean, each coach had hit up 10 Georgia high schools over the course of one day. Ten different coaches in one day hit up 10 different high schools. Munkin and Muschamp, I believe, were off those days. So they gave them time Munkin off. Munkin was out there. I think Munkin was out there. Muschamp was, the, was off, though. Yeah, I think I know Muschamp was off. So they give their coaches time off when it comes to that stuff. So – and also when you only have to recruit, uh, recruit quarterbacks and then receivers is a position that he's very hands-on with as well when it comes to the coaching aspect of it. Um, he's really good with like when Anthony Evans comes in and Yazid Haynes evaluating those guys. He's one of the guys who's like, Kirby, you got to offer him. So when it comes to the on-campus part of recruiting and evaluations, I don't think he minds that. And only having to recruit one position that usually only need one player per class, it's not that hard on him where I think if he was an offensive line coach that also was an OC, he'd be like, all right, I got to go to the NFL. Because <laughs> yeah. too, too many dudes, too many classes. I'm recruiting like 20 different people. That's the concern with why Georgia fans have with Stacey Searles recruiting. That guy's got to recruit like 20-some people at a time. And when he already has concerns recruiting, that's an issue. With Munkin, it's just quarterbacks. So I'm not as worried about the recruiting aspect as some people are. Uh, guys, if you're just now joining the show, this is the first episode of the UGA Sports Call-In Show uh, post-POS. So what we do during the season is we do the POS, the post-game overreaction show that takes the place of this show. And then during the off-season, we come at you with the call-in show. So what that means is there's three of us on the screen. We've all called in. We want you guys to call in too. Hit the link in the description. We want to hear from you guys. And if you don't want to be on camera, you're camera shy, that's fine. No big deal. We'll get your questions. Make sure you put them into the uh, comment section on YouTube or Facebook, and I promise we'll get to them. Uh, Brad Newsom brings up a great point, guys, and, and this was kind of early on when we were talking about Munkin. He said the quarterback situ situation is really up in the air if Todd Munkin leaves. I think right now – Right. The betting. Well, I wouldn't even say betting odds because if you look at Vegas, Brock Vandergriff has betting odds for Heisman and Carson Beck doesn't. Uh, so I don't know what other words to use, but I think all of us think that right now it's it's Carson Beck's job to lose. Not saying he won't lose it, uh, but he he is that next man up. If the court, if Munkin leaves, does the quarterback room shift at all? Are we looking at, you know, anybody? Are we looking at Vandergriff? Are we looking at Gunnar Stockton? Um, how, how does that rotate out if, if Munkin leaves? Well, I think first, uh, you know, we, we all know that, that Munkin really likes Carson Beck. He liked Carson Beck so much that he was the number two guy, uh, uh, behind, uh, you know, he was the number two guy behind JT Daniels. I already yeah. forgot JT Daniels' name. He was behind JT. number two. He was number two behind Daniels school. going yeah. into the UAB game. And uh, and then he, you know, he didn't have a good week of practice, and so they went with Stetson instead. And then I kind of, the legend kind of took off from there. And um, but uh, but yeah, he he's really high on on Carson Beck. I think Carson Beck, what he 
in garbage time, he looked really good. And I thought, you know, in the national championship when he came in, he looked really good. I mean, it's not uh, major minutes. It's not, uh, you know, uh, with, with games on the line or anything like that. So he's not tested. But I think everything's there for him to be successful. Um, you know, Brock does have the more the more mobile threat. But then um, I think that could be what what changes things. But I think if, if Munkin stays, Carson Beck's the favorite. If, if it's a different OC – I think Brad's on to something there. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't see how it. And if an OC comes, you know, even if it's being promoted from within, and if it is somebody like Mike Bobo, um, you know, I, I don't see how uh, that person doesn't do a, a different, like a, a full evaluation in the spring with both guys. I I think that with or without Munkin, this thing is open. I think that it's a foregone conclusion about Beck is not the wise way to go. Well, I, I, I really don't. I, I think Beck could still win the job. But I don't think it's a shoe in. Like. I like if it. a shoe in, he would already be named like the starter next year. Kirby doesn't do that. Kirby doesn't do that, bro. No, but yeah. I, I have a sneaky suspicion about this. I think Gunnar Stockton might be the quarterback next year. Okay, all right, all right. We, we got to deep, deep dive into no, this. No, I have a sneaky we, suspicion. I, talk, I, I said we we're going to you know dip our toes into the sand or into the water about the three-peat. We're going headfirst into this, Ben. If you name Gunnar Stockton the starting quarterback It wouldn't be in the year. spring. Okay, so you're gonna let him take? So you you're no. This is what I think is gonna happen. Hold okay, up, yeah, hold please on. please play this scenario out because I'm gonna tell what you happened how at Michigan dreadful this, this could be for Georgia. What happened at Michigan this year? I don't know. I don't watch them. What they happened? Started the year with Cade McNamara and JJ McCarthy, both of them saying they're gonna split starts. Yeah, they did that. They're yeah, gonna they enter Week One. I don't know if it's a shoe in that they're gonna have their quarterback set for the whole year Week One because here's the thing: their schedule or like we've talked about and a lot of people in the media we're going to talk about outside of Tennessee is a cakewalk. In your first few games, you're not, you're playing like ball state and teams. You got, you you got September 2nd, UT Martin ball state right after that, South Carolina at home, UAB, and then Auburn, your first five. So think about this. You could split quarterbacks, especially you're going to have probably at least one transfer out. So between the two quarterbacks, if you're not fully set, you can give each of them starts. You can have them both run with the first team. I have a sneaky suspicion about Gunnar Stockton by that time potentially sneaking as a starting quarterback. Here's the here's the problem with that, Ben. QFlow said Gunner, really? Wow. Yes, I agree, QFlow. Stockton may be the most talented. What you end up having having happen, Ben, is if Stockton is your starting quarterback, both those guys ahead of him are would you say they're going to stick around or are they going to transfer? No, I said if they named Gunner the starter, it wouldn't be till the regular season. So I think Beck would stay around. I don't think Vandergriff would at that point. So you would because no matter what you're entering, so with you're two, just with you're two. just completely screwing Carson Beck. Well, that doesn't matter. Do, do yeah, and, and Ben and Ben, yeah, ben, ben, what Ben says happens. Carson Beck will feel they they did, did that with McNamara this year. He yeah, was but, a starter in the playoff. They everyone knew McCarthy. They wanted him to be the starter. They told McNamara, we're going to split starters. You're going to start game one. And then they screwed him. When everybody in college football knew that Harbaugh wanted McCarthy as their quarterback, they convinced him to stay and split starts because he's the experienced quarterback. And then literally, I think he transferred right before the playoff hit. Yeah, he hit um, the portal right right, right, right then. The playoff, but yeah. I think if that, if that were to happen, then Gunnar was your only scholarship quarterback. If you did go to the playoff, that yeah. could be a little bit tricky. A little, a little, time. a little. Just yeah, you saw it happen with the 49ers. I mean, yeah, good God. Josh Johnson couldn't throw the ball. I mean, more. then we could get into Jackson Muschamp territory. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So, but, I, but I mean, Stetson Bennett won two national titles, but yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I still think for people to say, oh, it's got to be back. It's got to be back. I, I don't think it's a shoe in for it to be Carson back. I, I just don't. Because here's the other thing. He was supposed to be the starter. Um, what was it? Last year in that UAB game. He was all set to be the starter. Then practice happens. Whoa. He ain't the starter. Every time he gets a chance, something goes awry. Until I see it, I'm not believing it on Carson Beck. Look, look, you got some, you got, you've got Donnie Wilkerson. I don't know how much you paid him. He said Ben is right. No one named starter, no one promised anything. Gunner can very well start, would not shock me. Beck probably leaves. What I'm saying though, in this scenario, guys, is you lose Beck and Vandegriff. And then you're yeah. left, you didn't have a quarterback. So, so man, this is tough. Because you have Suppose this happens though, Paul. Suppose they name Beck the starter and Gunner's like, I could go somewhere else and start. They could lose both Gunner and Brock. They could lose two quarterbacks, no matter who they name. If they have Brock the starter, only one year separation behind Gunner, he could be. Yeah, like, but if Beck, Gunner could leave and Beck could leave, no matter which of the three you name the starter, there's a real possibility you could lose two quarterbacks. If Beck wins My the job. No, but if Beck wins the job, you've got uh, you know, and, and he has a good year. I mean, you're potentially you're potentially an NFL, you know, one year, and then he's off to the NFL as a four year guy. So um, that that would be the selling point to at least have the other two guys stick around. Now, here's the thing: they're not going to make a decision based on well, how do we convince them all to stay? They're going to pick who's the best player, and then whatever happens happens after that. Yeah, uh, Harry says, uh, let them fight it out. That's what y'all are saying. Yeah, I I think you let them fight it out. Uh, It'll be very interesting, very interesting as we move into uh, spring ball guys and G-Day, what that quarterback room, what the rumors will be coming out of that. Who's taking those first uh, snaps? Who Who's the first team quarterback in G-Day? Who's the second team quarterback? You know, is, is are all three of those guys still in Athens? Uh, there's a lot, a lot to really um, dive into. Another thing to dive into, guys. JC says uh, SVP coming back along with McConkey is huge. Two guys that I don't feel like they get enough recognition. Hopefully this year they will. Uh, Van Pran along with Lad McConkey both announcing they're coming back, which McConkey announced he was coming back. I, I thought was cool, right? I, I didn't think he was going mm-hmm. anywhere. Um, but SVP coming back is really, really big for this offensive line, guys. Yeah, it's, uh, you know – you know, he's the anchor. <laughs> it's yeah. the best, that's the best way to put it. Um, especially, you know, you've got uh, – Did he start as a freshman? What? No, sophomore. Sophomore? Okay. okay. But, I mean, you, you lose two tackles. So, I mean, he's uh, – it, it's it's a tremendous – it's a tremendous – it's almost like a recruiting battle, right? You uh, He gets – he comes back. That's a one position you don't have to worry about. Um you know, it was Austin Blasky would have probably uh, he would have had a you know you break in a new center he, he would have probably he would have potentially been uh, the the next man up there so um, you know the Georgia offensive line it's uh, it's funny because uh, you know they they went with this rotation this this past year and I really didn't understand it but I kind of get it now um, they they you know got better as the year went on and uh, you get guys experience doing that and so. Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's probably you know, the fact that they do start the season, uh, you know, South Carolina, I, I don't think will be, I think there'll be some hype going into that game, just the way South Carolina finished uh, this past year, you know, with the win over Clemson and then the bowl game. But uh, yeah, I, I don't see them really being a threat to Georgia. And I, I think, uh, 
the offensive line will have a chance to, to gel. And, and the key cog to, to that happening is having Van Pram back up front. Well, I look at it. Yeah. He's the leader of your offensive line and he's your center. So he's making all the checks, but everyone expected a Mary Smith to be one of your starting tackles. He basically in a sense was a starter in, in a way. I mean, yeah, he started have, the Ohio State six. Team. Yeah. If you could have six starters on the offensive line, he was. The yeah. So you have him trusses back at left guard, Van Pran at center, and my boy, Tate Ratledge, right guard. So you kind of need, whether it's left tackle or right tackle, you have one of the tackles down. You just need to get another tackle. And then your line's complete already. You have four or five offensive linemen basically returning. I know you're losing Jones and McClendon, but in guys who played significant minutes or started, you have four of the five guys back on the offensive line. Alabama has four or five guys gone among their starters and their six mm. linemen gone. So just think about that for a second. Ooh, so that's it. why I think Van Pram back is huge because I'll be honest with you, the one gripe I've had, and I've talked to Blaine Gilmer about it when it comes to recruiting recently with Georgia on offensive line is we never know who's going to be a center. Like past Van Pran in 2020, go 2021 class on, who would they recruit to play center? I have no idea. <laughs> so I have no idea who past Van Pran is a center. People say Blasky, all these people. I've never seen him play center. I've, I've saw his highlights and know he's practiced attack on guard. I've never seen him play center, never seen Jared Wilson play center. So that to me is huge because I really have no clue who the center would be next year or have any optimism at all behind who the center would be just because I haven't seen him play that position. But I, I think what Ben's getting at, though, is with Van Pran coming back, that offensive line, for the most part, you probably keep Mims at right tackle. Uh, left tackle, Ernest Green maybe? Uh, Blasky maybe? Uh, you know, that That'll be a big position to watch, but you're really losing one offensive lineman in total from your starters. Uh, Cause like we said, Mims was pretty much in there for, for a good portion of the time. Um, you're losing one starter on wide receivers. You're losing AD, but he didn't, he didn't play for you last year much. You're gaining love it. And Ra Ra Thomas at running back, Kenny McIntosh making some big news. Uh, down in Mobile at the uh, senior game. You're losing him, but mm -hmm. you're getting a uh, Branson Robinson, who's now a sophomore. You get Andrew Paul back, who's healthy. Uh, who's the kid they recruited this year, Ben, at, at running back? Goodness. Roger Robinson. Thank you. Uh, Robinson out of California, big kid. So, you know, you, you bring that back. We've talked about Stetson leaving, where the quarterback position obviously is going to be a change. All in all, though, Offense, for the most part, you got UT Martin and you got Ball State. You got two games to really, really figure it out. Uh, and, and you can throw in as many players as you want to there. Uh, Cosmic SOL says uh, Jack Jack Saint and Bell will be the starters this year wide receiver. I'm concerned with McConkey's health. I think McConkey will be fine. But you've got Jack Saint and Bell, two other yeah, backers we're not talking about coming back. Uh, so, And then you've got Kendall Milton, who looked who looked really good down the stretch. Uh, didn't look that great at the beginning. Looked really, really good down the stretch, and you hope to get a you know big senior year out of him. So there's the offensive side of the ball. Now let's move over to the defensive side of the ball. And, uh, guys, you, you lost some to the portal. You lost uh, Jaheim Singletary. You lost some guys to the draft. Mm -hmm. Be some open positions. Jason, I'll start with you. Obviously, it's probably Jalen Carter, who, who Jordan is going to miss the most. After mm -hmm. that, who is it? Who do they miss the most? Chris Smith? 
probably Chris Smith. I mean, you you said it. Um, he would be the next guy up, just the leadership that he brings in the back end. Uh, I mean, I mean, you miss in there for different reasons. You miss Carter because he's a freak and he's gonna be, you know, he's gonna be a top five pick for a reason. But then um when you have a safety who can uh really communicate uh the coverages to uh to the rest of the the the, the the defensive backs. I mean, I think that's just, uh, um, you know, it's a tremendous get. It's a tremendous thing to have. And then I, I just go back to uh, the LSU game and, and the championship, just to the, the have the wherewithal to pick that ball up while it was, uh, you know, barely moving and not letting it die as, uh, you know, just, just, you know, something that everybody else had given up on the play. And it's just smart, smart plays. Like they completely changed the trajectory of that game too. And so I think they'll miss – those aspects of him um they'll miss nolan smith too obviously um you know nolan yep. smith more so from a, a leadership standpoint uh, especially after he had the injury and he was still very involved uh with you know with uh, that defense so um really every level as as we've mentioned those are your guys who uh you know you'll miss but they've been recruiting really well um i think last year we all talked about the inside linebackers they lost three inside linebackers to the nfl and turns out and really didn't need to worry much at all with the with the two guys that ended up replacing them. So uh, I'm pretty confident in how Georgia's recruited defensively to where it's all it's it's at that level that Alabama has been at for years, where guys go to the NFL and they just plug and play and, and they're good to go. And it really seems like on especially on defense, Georgia's there now. Greg says, uh, for what it's worth, friend of mine went to the Dog Club donor meeting last week to schmooze with all the coaches. He says Trey Scott was bragging on Jamal Jarrett pretty enthusiastically. Yes, that's a uh, that's a grown man coming in on the defensive line. Yeah. I really like the defensive line class this year. And then I know we talked about it. Uh, I did. I know last offseason about you had Jalen Carter and then who else? Right. It was a bunch of guys that just hadn't gotten reps. And we were focusing on Nazir Stackhouse, Warren Brinson, Zion Lowe, guys like that. Right. And and I said, look, you're going to have to show me. And Zier Stackhouse and uh, Warren Brinson both showed me that they yeah. they can they can play this type of level football and they've got another year under their belt. Am I saying they're going to be the next Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis? No, you know, guy off the defensive line. No, but they've got another year under their belt. So big question here, though, guys, who takes over that safety position? Uh, Q flow asking it right here in the chat. The defense is loaded. Do we think Tyke Smith moves to safety? Guy, I was thinking of, uh, Ben, your recruit, Nick. Tell us about this, uh, Jonel Aguero kid. Uh, that, that that's one I was going to bring up. So I was actually going to bring up Jamal Jarrett, Jonel Aguero, and then I was going to bring up an edge rusher. But first, I'll start with Aguero. I think him and Jarrett might have the two best chances to see the field right away next year on defense because you're losing Chris Smith. And then to me, they still have yet to replace – you're never going to fully replace him, but Jordan Davis in terms of having a nose tackle on the roster, that's Jamal Jarrett. So when it comes to Aguero, he's a prototypical Kirby Smart, Will Muschamp defensive back. Really smart, and he's physical as hell. You want those DBs who go downhill and hit, that's Jonel Aguero. He's going to be a physical safety and a leader on the back end. And I look at him and I say next year, you lose Chris Smith. Malachi Starks is one starting safety, so we can put him over here. You look and you say you have Dan Jackson, Ja'Cory Thomas. Who um, got some run last year? Thomas got some run last year. Got a little bit of run. David Daniel. 
who who got a good bit of got run more got more yeah. run this year, and then you got Jonel Aguero, and then I think some people have asked who's the second safety in the class because they didn't get Caleb Downs. I think Justin Rett is going to play more yeah. safety. So of the other DBs in this year's recruiting class, he'll probably play more safety than corner and and star for those asking. Jonel Aguero to me has the best chance of starting, and I think Jamal Jarrett's a sleeper making big contributions because. Remember, traditionally, Georgia always rushed five. They had Nolan Smith on one side, Adam Anderson. You had Trayvon Walker at five technique. Then you had whoever was the three tech, and the nose was Jordan Davis. Last year was a lot of three linemen, four guys rushing. They didn't really have those traditional outside linebackers standing up rushing the passer. This year they can do that more because they added Damon Wilson, who I think might see the field early as well, and they have Jamal Jarrett, who gives you a nose tackle. So I really like those three additions because I think all three can see the field right away. So I think overall the defense next year, also just as a whole, because we talked about offense, this year I think the defense will be better. Michael Williams impressed the the hell out of me at the end of the year. Bear Alexander was dominant the second half of the season when he was on the field. Jalen Walker in in the championship game and other games started to get it on. Marvin Jones, have high expectations for him. Dalen Everett, I think he's the favorite to replace him. We haven't even talked about this yet. Keely Ringo, he's going to be gone. I think Dalen Everett and Nylon Green are probably the two guys battling. Dalen Everett, he was the third corner last year. He didn't have to play a lot because they don't rotate there. That's He'll true play freshman, a lot. Though. True freshman. Mm-hmm. So I think that 2020, was it two class on defense? is going to be special for Georgia. Yeah, uh, let's see here. Greg Rosenberg coming in the chat again just with some fire notes here. He says, uh, Munkin was there with his wife, seemed happy to be there. He was telling everyone Lovett can do everything, and they're expecting a big impact from him next year. Yeah, I think Lovett's going to be a freak at uh, wide receiver. And then uh, Schumann was there claiming that the inside linebacker class and outside linebacker class together was the best LB group they've ever brought in. Might be true, guys. You have uh, Damon Wilson Jr., Gabe Harris, C.J. Allen, Raylan Wilson, Sam and Pimba. We were worried about that last year, Jason, and it might it might not be uh, so quick this year, right? Because you're you're probably going to start Chaz Chambliss. I'm wondering where Jalen Walker fits into all this with the two linebackers that you have coming back. You got to get him on the field, so maybe let yeah. him do some outside backer type stuff potentially, uh, cross train him a little bit. But you've got some dogs coming in on the edge. And that was what we, one thing we were worried about, you know, looking at this come last year. You've got some really good guys. They're going to be young, but you've got some really good guys. Yeah, and I, I think you, you hit it there. Jalen Walker, uh, you know, they, they got him some, some reps at outside linebacker, you know, as, over the second half of the season. They'll probably have to do that again. But um, I, there's an opportunity, obviously. I think, you, yeah, you start with Chaz Chambliss and it's – you know, he can, he's definitely a rotational guy and I'm not trying to dog him, but you look at the athleticism of these guys coming in and uh, you know, and, and other edge guys like, you know, Mar- Marvin Jones jr. Has been mentioned earlier. Uh, you know, there, there's some freaks on, uh, on the edge that, that are, that are younger, uh, maybe not as experienced as, as Chambliss, but um, you know, the name of the game is getting to the quarterback as quick as possible. If the ball's getting out less than three seconds, less three, three, three and a half seconds as these quarterbacks do these days. And what, what teams try to do against Georgia all year long with a quick passing game, then you've got to have fast guys off the edge, get to the quarterback. And so um, I definitely think there's an opportunity for maybe one of those freshmen to see a, a lot of playing time off the edge. All right, guys, we've gone over 
Well, you've got a you've got a freshman kicker uh, this year. We didn't go over special teams, but uh, freshman kicker or Jared Zirkle, uh, who could who could maybe get that, but. Um, is that yeah. it? That's not, we're just gonna leave it there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, um, no. What I, I wanted to get to was, is there a? We've gone over the offense, defense, special teams, and special teams, right? I think I don't think Georgia has any issue there, right? Can this team win a three-peat? Can this team go back to back to back? No team has ever done it. But like we talked about at the beginning of the show, I think from the moment the clock hit zero, hell, before the clock hit zero against TCU, when it was 42 to seven or, you know, 35 to seven or 49 to seven, I mean, whichever number you want to pick, right? Uh, Georgia fans were already thinking in their minds, all right, now it's time for the three-peat. I've got the schedule here. And we can run through it game by game if you want to, guys. I don't think there's anybody on here that's it's close. I don't think there's a team on here besides maybe uh, at Tennessee at the end of the year that would be less than a – and we don't even know what Tennessee has, right? Less than a double-digit spread in favor of Georgia. Can Georgia three-peat? Jason, start with you first. Well, yes, they can. Oh. Oh. Anything is possible, right? <laughs> but I have the schedule pulled up too. I mean, UT Martin, Ball State, uh, South Carolina, sneaky rivalry. But I mean, is there anybody on South Carolina? I mean, or do they really scare you that much to where you think that at home they're going to come in and and pull an upset? I don't know. Spencer Rattler went crazy. No, he was smoking cigars in the locker room at the end of last yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, they, and I think that's going to build some hype for the game. Oh yeah, at, at Auburn. I mean, Auburn. I don't think will will be that good this year, but I don't know. At Auburn, uh, and then then Florida. You know, you get Tennessee late in the year, Ole Miss late in the year. Uh, Georgia Tech's not doing it. Um, I mean, you just look at the schedule, and it's you know, you just you just tell yourself. I mean, there's not a game that that really scares you. I mean, of course, once the season gets here and we see how some of these teams look, I mean. Florida is going to be interesting to me because I think we all expect them not to be that good. And, you know, maybe, maybe they do, maybe they, uh, maybe they, they start have, hot, you they, know, they don't have a quarterback. <laughs> I'm just saying hey. offensive line is good last year. They lose all those guys. Yeah, I, they, I know. They, I know. They, I'm they saying they we don't, don't we don't expect them. There, yeah, things happen every year that we don't expect. Yeah. And, you know, maybe Billy Napier's got some, maybe he's got the magic in year two. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, you know, Tennessee, we would, they, you know, they lose hooker, but, you still would expect uh, you would expect them to to improve uh, at least on the defensive side of the ball, given that they really weren't that as, as good as uh, you know as the offensive side of the ball was. So the schedule looks great for Georgia. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of rambling at this point. So yeah, I mean, I think it comes down to quarterback play, really with or without Todd Munkin. If they get good quarterback play, Ooh, consistent quarterback play. Dude, coaching. Oh. Here's the thing: coaching is so overrated. Right. And coaching, because coaching is more so at the end of the day about not screwing up and more coaches screw up than not screw up. It's it's and I'm not I'm not trying to make it sound easy. It's just the way it is. You game plan, you have your plays. It's going to we'll go come full circle. This goes way back to what Ben was saying about systems and scheme. Todd Munkin is great. And this is what, what makes him a great coach is that he's got his plays. He knows when to call them. He knows when to, to call a play off of a previous play. He does all of this within his system uh, to near perfection. 
if it's not him and it's somebody else doing this system for the name of consistency, you know, it's not the same guy. And then that's where that's where these things can, can fall off. And so that all that said, they have the defense to do it. If they get good quarterback play and they get an offensive coordinator who doesn't get in the way, who doesn't Bill O'Brien it for for the uh, you know for Georgia, then I think they can do it, you know, with or without Todd Munkin. Ben, the question comes to you, my friend. Also, a uh, shout out to a couple of names in the chat that I'm seeing uh, just now joining us. Andy Stowe, big family there. Uh, Tristan West, always part of the fam here. Gray Goose, Greg Rosenberg, uh, Dog85. I mean, we got we got a ton of folks joining us now. Uh, but Ben, what your camera is just wild. You got to stay in focus, bud. You're, you look like you're like behind a. Remember those drunk driving glasses they gave you in like fifth grade? That's what you look oh, like. Oh yeah, and hey, we're we're not talking about people being drunk, especially with your board post. We ain't, yeah. we, ain't, we ain't talk we ain't talking about drunk stuff right now, Paul. All right, but anyways, I hit um, back on you for earlier. So, <laughs> Ben, we've built up this this forty minute show. People are wondering, can the dogs three-peat? Yes, and I think a big part of it isn't just Georgia. It's the other teams at the top. You know, as much as we're talking about Georgia, what's the one thing that's the easiest it's ever been in the Kirby Smart era? And I don't count the 2020 season, the out-of-conference schedule. They don't play a single Power 5 team out-of-conference for, I believe, the first time ever in the Kirby Smart era. They have not because Oklahoma got removed from the schedule by the SEC. So when you look at it, Alabama's got to play Texas. Ohio State, they got to go to Notre Dame. Michigan, I'm not going to lie. They just do not scare me at all with the way they play and the fact that they don't really play much in the Big Ten. The other SEC teams, Florida's got to go to Utah. I think Tennessee, I could be wrong, but I think they have to play Pitt or somebody. So like when you look at all these teams, they have to play out-of-conference opponents. Second, I look and I say Georgia returns more than every team in the SEC East. Outside of the quarterback position, which almost I believe every team but South Carolina is going to have a new quarterback in the SEC East next year. So if I go position by position, defense next year overall is going to be more experienced. It was really little experience, and they played so many freshmen last year that next year when you're telling me there were like five or six guys that played a lot as freshmen – who are going to be starting next year, both inside linebackers back, who I think could be Buckus finalist. Defense, I think, is going to be great. I think it's going to be much better next year than it was this past year. Offense, four or five starters back on the O-line. Receiver room's better. The only question mark I have on offense is offense coordinator and quarterback. Both those are solid. This team, in totality, should be just as good, if not better, next year. And the schedule sets up even easier um, next year because – this past year, you were supposed to play Oregon, top 10 team. Smacked them. You have to play Ball State to start early on. Your toughest matchup is at Tennessee. Other than that, I saw like all these indexes and stuff. You have an over 90% chance to beat everybody other than Tennessee. Jeez. So if you go and beat them on the road, you're 12-0. and 0. If you're 12-0, and 0, who cares about Atlanta? You're oh, you could be 11-1 and 1 and then win in Atlanta the SEC title still. Exactly, and you're in the playoff. Well, Greg Goose just wonders, uh, can we get some damn home night games this year? Um, man. Mm. Maybe what's, South Carolina. What's the week three schedule? Yeah, I was going to say. I think they maybe, can do South Carolina, yeah, South Carolina maybe. I'll, I'll, I'll look for you real quick, uh, Greg Goose. Let me see if we can we can uh, figure this out for you. I'm thinking maybe you can get week three. That's what I'm thinking. Um, why is this not doing? Okay, week 
week three. I know we're doing this live, guys. So just give me a second. Um, is this does this have Georgia? Where is Georgia? Come on. Uh, am I tripping? Georgia Tech. Why is it not? It's okay. Yeah, so, Greg, okay. Greg's the goat. Paul is very hostile against me, as everyone sees. He's he's very jealous of me and all of our chats. So thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> Greg says, I love Bachman. Paul needs to rein the hostility in Mary's out of control. Hey, Greg, I'm glad you're picking up on that, uh, that, that love-hate relationship I have with Ben. All right. You have Tennessee at Florida. I doubt that's a night game. I'm just trying to go through here, guys. Um, Oklahoma's at Tulsa. No. West, no. TCU at Houston, no. Would they put Missouri again on the SEC network? God, uh, Georgia Tech at Ole Miss, no. I'm just trying to see any like Power 5 games here. You have Indiana versus Louisville. It's in Indianapolis, Indiana. Maybe I mean, but I doubt it, right? Um, neutral field site. It looks like. Uh, you might be in trouble, though, because CB- is CBS still doing the, the games this year or no? SEC on CBS, they still do the three thirty, or is that is that done? I thought that was done. Yeah, they got the new contract. Is is Big Ten going there next year? I think it's done, so you don't have to worry about the three thirty kick, right? I think. I don't. I think CBS might have both. Yeah, let's act like the three thirty kick is no longer a thing, guys. If it was, I would say South Carolina, Georgia is definitely a three thirty kick. I don't think the ESPN deal doesn't go into into effect until twenty twenty four. Looks like oh oh well then you uh that's gonna be weird next year. Greg Goose, my friend, my friend Greg Goose uh, asked if you can get any home night games. I think. Oh hold on, Andy So said it's over. Saw a Big Ten commercial today. I trust Andy. I I think they get both next year. And then Bob says CBS is still on. Guys, we don't know. We don't know what's going on. It's one way or the other. (laughs) One way or the other, guys. You know, Paul, you're on a computer. You could look it up. I know, but then I'd have to. Yeah, I mean, this is how lazy. This guy only has to do is click two buttons. He doesn't want to click two buttons for you guys. No. That's why he's uh, he's an awful host. Just looking irrelevant. Look, look, just looking at the week three schedule. If you still have the CBS game, you're going to be the 330 game. If you don't, then I would probably say you get a night game there. And then whoever's hot, right? Maybe you maybe you get Kentucky uh, undefeated. They'll be what five and zero. Then you get you get Kentucky five and zero. That might be a, a night game. Ole Miss could be a sneaky night game. Missouri could be a sneaky SEC Network night game type deal. I, I think you get one. Um, that was fun. A little high stress action there to see if uh, Georgia will get a night game. I, I think probably, but. Who knows? As far as Georgia's repeating, I think if you look back on the teams that have gone back to back, Georgia probably has the best chance of repeating out of all those teams in terms of who's coming back, right? A lot of those teams that went back to back lost a lot of guys. So you talk about Alabama and you talk about all the teams that have gone back to back before prior. It's going to rely on, oh, God, there you go, guys. Andy So said, just verified, SEC keeps a 330 this year, then it's all Big Ten. You're 100% getting, uh, well, unless Florida's, I don't know, Tennessee at Florida or Georgia, South Carolina. Tennessee, Florida will be 330 for sure. All right, well, then, you're, then, yeah. you're, then you heard it here first, folks. You're getting a night game against South Carolina. Book your hotels uh, because there you go. Also, on the Tennessee, I just checked, they're losing their starting quarterback, more than half their O-line top two receivers, and more than half their starters on defense. So Tennessee's got to replace a lot. Yeah. 
So I think with Georgia, you have a ton of uh, guys coming back that are verified, that have played in this system, both on the offense and defensive side of the ball. The schedule, goodness gracious, guys, you want to talk about a, a just not fun schedule. Ole Miss is a, Ole Miss is a cool, uh, with Lane Kiffin being over there, that's a cool SEC West a rotational team. This Fun year. fact be- on that. If Kirby beats Ole Miss, he would have beaten every SEC team. There you go. So there you go. So I think, he, you know, I think he's probably got a good shot. The schedule is a little weak. I think it sets up perfectly, though, that you don't have to play Oklahoma. And now you play Ball State and UT Martin to start off the season because you're you're going to be breaking a new quarterback, whoever it is. Right. We're going to have fun with that, talking about it all week. But uh, I think, you know, UT Martin and Ball State both being your first two games, help you break in that quarterback, and then you get into conference play against South Carolina. This team has everything it has lined up in front of it for a three-peat run. You've got to have a little bit of luck mixed in with skill, though, guys, and uh, we'll see. I think this team gets to Atlanta. I'm also curious on how Alabama shapes up with uh, Kevin Steele being announced as the new D.C., Tommy Reese as the O.C., Jalen Milrow being the quarterback, a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, a lot of stuff going on in Alabama, guys. So, you know, we'll be back uh, two weeks from now. We're not gonna we're not gonna talk on Super Bowl. You guys want to hang out with your Super Bowl and and do your stuff, Jason? You do anything fun for the Super Bowl? I mean, maybe. I don't know yet. <laughs> I did last year. Last year was a good time, but uh, I don't know. If, I don't know if I, for my own aging self, if I can uh, can do that again. Are you a big watching like? football in the bar guy because it's like i love going to bars but not no no not i don't like football. watching it's just hard to watch a game if i'm at a, if i'm at a bar i like to be social and, and all that stuff i don't i really can't sit at a, at a bar and watch a game it's uh that's just not not it been last time i watched a college game in a bar there was a couple tennessee fans there and it was god it was awful There's what do you what, what are you doing uh for the super bowl ben just watching the game with family that's it there you go yeah you know, I, I, I can't go out and do and watch games with ran, random people <laughs> probably do the same here uh so let's get some you know jason likes to bet i like to bet ben you're old enough to bet now as opposed to last year so that's cool and it's uh, also legal in the state now jason i know jason's going, oh, J- jason, going crazy jason knows yeah. uh eagles minus one and a half guys yay Nate, who are you taking uh Gene? yeah eagles yeah i'm taking philly yeah yeah minus one and a half yep mm-hmm. i'm taking it god i gotta go with you too I got to go with you. I was hoping one you got two and a half or less. My philosophy is just take who you think is going to win. I, I wanted one of you guys to go with the Chiefs, but I think we're all riding Eagles. So you know what that means, folks. Mark it down. The Kansas City Chiefs will be your next. Me <laughs> <laughs> agreeing with Paul. Oh God, God. I'm so bad, so bad at betting. I'm so I mean, bad. Philly fans are awful. So I'll I'll take it to a degree. <laughs> Joe says, uh, what's this NFL you speak of? They played football today, Joe, uh, the Pro Bowl, which somebody asked uh, what was our thoughts on that before we leave. Um, did you guys watch it at all? No? I watched like 30 seconds of it. and I mean, it's flag football. Yeah, I mean, it's not. It's, it's flag football. It's not it, even pro football. It was kind of cool, but it just lasted so long. It was it went on for like four hours or something. They played three different games. I like the little lineman games they had, the one catch thing that they had like a dunk contest was unique no look none of these guys want to be there right 
So yeah, well, didn't isn't didn't Tyler Huntley go? I mean, yeah, well, Derek Carr. Yeah. I mean, he had two touchdowns. He had two yeah. touchdowns. Yeah, Geno quarterback. Geno Smith had five touchdowns. I mean, nobody wants to go this right. So and nobody yeah. really wants to go to this and put pads. Oh, on. Geno so. was cooking this year. Geno Smith. Yeah, Geno had a good year. But the thing is, they should just get rid of it and just do the NFL. It's, it's kind of like there's the All Pro team. Just do the Pro Bowl team and then just not play the game. I think it's just a total waste of time. Well, I think it was because sometimes you get to like the fifth alternate, and it's like, well, yeah, dude, we had like the main guy and the next four guys had to pass up just for you to get here. Like I've seen years where it's been like that. Yeah, yeah, it is. But even though next year, Paul's Falcons might have a Pro Bowl quarterback potentially. Potentially, God, maybe he doesn't have a rant like he had last year about them taking uh, Justin Schaefer over Jamari Sawyer. That already is panning out. Did I, did I not tell you, though, right? I mean, did, did I not? Did I, not I, I think anybody with a brain who isn't <laughs> in that building. They don't have brains in that building. Jamari Sawyer over Justin Schaefer. No knock on Justin Schaefer. No, no but knock. Jamari Sawyer was PFF's highest graded rookie offensive tackle. Yeah. Yeah. He was I, there I in the sixth round. I think, you know, whatever, right? Whatever. Guys, we appreciate you for watching us so much. If it wasn't for you guys, uh, none of us would be here. So check back in with us two weeks from today. We'll be live 730-ish. Hopefully some of you guys will call in. If you uh, miss any of the show, it'll be up on the podcast uh, tomorrow morning. And uh, we appreciate you guys. We all think the dogs can uh, three-peat, and we all think the Eagles will win the Super Bowl. So you know what that means. Uh, I don't know. You know, <laughs> Maybe go against both of them. Fade both of them. But, guys – we're going to fade out right now. We appreciate it so much. This is the UJ Sports Call-In Show. Your host, Paul Meharry, Jason Butt, Ben Bachman. We'll holler at you guys later. Thanks so much.